Welcome to the Searching for Meaning podcast. My name is Gonzalo, and I'm joined by my brother, Tiago. Welcome. And uh, in today's episode, if you're not in par, we're going to go over a book. Um, probably one of the most requested books that uh, one time <laughs> we asked, and I remember <laughs> seeing it there a lot. Yeah, you said like uh, we have actual like, people messaging us. <laughs> no, but I remember one time uh, I put on the Instagram story, Yeah. and this was one of... Like probably the one that people were saying like, oh yeah, we want this one. Okay. So the book, you like if you guys are into stoicism, which you probably are, if you're listening to this, you've probably at least heard of the name of the guy who wrote the book. Uh, the book is called Letters from a Stoic by Seneca, you know? Yeah. Pretty much every stoic quote comes from either him <laughs> or Marcus Aurelius, yeah. so you know. Instead of from here, a popular guy. Yeah, and pretty much the book, uh, I'm just like a big overall summary is letters that he wrote to a friend of him or like a um, protege of him, of his, uh, like giving advice, then the guy would write back. So it's it's written in this very, you know, personal way because, you know, it was personal to the person he was talking to. And before we actually get into, you know, any of the, the lessons we took from the book, uh, number one, we're going to like split the book into two podcasts because it's just, there's too much to go over and then the other thing i i was kind of not blown away but surprised is that it's like it's translated of course but it's a very simple language in the sense that you know it's not this uh, like super philosophical language like a lot of complicated words it's like anyone can understand this book you know yeah and i think at that least also goes, the way it's written i think it's that's because it goes according to the stoic philosophy i think like his whole idea is of not trying to appear something that you're not. I, I believe when like you have that really complicated language. I mean, unless you're like a really smart individual and just use that language constantly, most people won't use that talking. And so when when I hear that, in, when I read that in a book, I just automatically automatically think like, oh man, this guy's trying to put off another persona that sounds smarter. And with this, it's like yeah, for sure. I, I'm sure he was very smart just because of all the. The things he said in that time, but he still just made it very simple because there was, I feel, no ego there, or at least a very mastered ego. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, even giving a bit of background of a Seneca story, which I don't know that much, but I know like that he was imprisoned, he was kind of a slave, and you know t to be able to have all these lessons, even when you when he was put in positions of where it would have been very easy to you know play the victim card you know like oh my god poor me why is life like this and as you'll see um at least if you don't read the book as you'll see us discussing the book you'll see that it's yeah it's like a, a very ego-free like mindset the way he speaks you know and even he sometimes even in the book he says to the other guy like he, he kind of understands the um, the counter argument that could exist but then he says why he says his own so it's not like this, like he's preaching from the top of the mountain, you know? It's a very down-to-earth type of guy. And uh, with that being said, uh, so the book is divided in letters, you know, because it's the letters you would send to his friend. And I'll start right away with the um, one of, like, letter number two. There's this quote that uh, I really liked, which is, to be everywhere is to be nowhere. And uh, this he was saying this first with regards to... Because like his, his friend was saying like, oh, I want to read more books, but I don't know. And then I get tired of the same books. And so this was his response to that. 
but I feel like this can apply to pretty much everything that you do, you know? That, like the guy who wants to read every book ends up not, can't, not really learning anything from all of them. The guy who tries every workout plan doesn't get pretty much any benefit from any of them. And like business plans, like relationships the same. If you're trying to get, you know, if you're not going more into in depth into the ones you already have, then it's it's kind of like pointless, I would say, you know, because you're not really getting the value that you could out of those things. Yeah, and you end up not getting almost any value. And that one was like really, really touched me because I think it's also something we've been coming to realize soon. We've been talking a lot about just like focusing on one book instead of just trying to read uh, like all of the, all, all like just trying to skim through books just to say I read, I read, I wrote this one and I read, and I think I just, first of all, it's, it's good to get some, I guess, some confirmation from really wise people and that's where you, and also that's where you see like, I think people have already discovered what works and what's really good and we've just be, kind of been repeating it's in different ways all along history. So this was back in, I don't know, it's like 2,000 years ago or more, and he was already having the, the same idea that we are now arriving to, that it's much, there's much more value in, in going in depth into something than just trying to, just to, to, to do a bit of everything. We as humans, I think, really thrive when we focus on one particular thing and dive deep into it. So that's... That, I mean, it's crazy how people have been realizing that since the beginning of times, and we're still trying to yeah, get Yeah, and also, like, a lot of these lessons, like, as I was reading him, it was like, oh, my God, this is, you can apply this nowadays, like, directly from script. You don't need to alter things to, oh, no, we're going to adapt to knowledge. No, you can just take this exactly as it is, and it works. And I've noticed, I've noticed, because uh, I talked about this, now I'm only focused pretty much, like, I'll read this book, I'll analyze it, everything, but the only book I'm applying right now is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's like, that's the, like, <laughs> even if I go, you know, on the subway or anything, that's the only book I bring. And I, I like, I'll review things that maybe I'm, you know, not doing as well as I could have been and all those things. And I noticed that when you read like one time, two times, three times, four times, the same thing, different, like, um, how do you say, not enlightenments, but different re realizations are going to come to you. Like there was a chapter in the book that I had read, I don't know, like five times already. And the other day I was reading it again and something different clicked. So, but I would never be able to get that click if I only read the book one time. And it's, and it's for, you know, like one thing I also like in this book, the um, Letters from a Stoic, is that it usually starts with some, an example everyone can relate to. And then he gets to his point, which kind of blows your mind sometimes. You know, I have, uh, I don't want to jump right away, but... Yeah, there was one. Oh, I'm just going to give a preview of a one that comes up, which is fruit tastes most delicious just when its season is ending. The charms of youth are at their greatest at the time of its passing. And it's, you know, some, uh, some of these, like I'll get it, we'll get into depth in a bit, but some of these things that he first starts with some random thing and then goes into this, it's absolutely mind blowing. And just to see how, you know, yeah, like 2000 years ago, I don't, I don't even know when this book was written or or when the first letters were written but it's absolutely mind mind-boggling and also kind of weird how we we have had the knowledge for so long but then <laughs> it's like we don't do anything with it for or most people never do anything with any of this knowledge for so long and that's a testament to why knowledge by itself does nothing to you it's and i, I truly believe that 
it's just it's if you don't act on it, it's just taking up mental space because you'll never if you, if you never do anything with it. It's like the, like like you just said, like we've known this, we we have known this as as humans for a long time now. The things that kind of make us feel good, like not feel good, but that gives us purpose and and lead to a good life. It's just a matter of applying it. And I th I don't think we, first of all, I, I don't think we want to believe that we already know it because then that kind of makes us have to think a, a bit like, oh, so we already know this and we're still fucking up. What's wrong with us? No one wants to, to realize that. But yeah, just before we move on, I want to like go to the first letter, which is also one I really highlighted a quote there. So it's, this is about, uh, the first letter is about saving time and really prioritizing time and not wasting it. And the quote is, lay hold of today's task and you will not need to depend so much upon tomorrow's. And this is like a, a really good way, I think, because we've heard this concept in uh, like a, like in so many different ways. But I, I really like this one because it's like sometimes people are just so so lost in life and they're always like wondering what's like tomorrow, what they need to do tomorrow or in the future, what's their purpose, what's going to be their job. And they kind of, they, I think that happens because they have no important things to care about in, in the present moment. And so they, just because they have, it's not something to distract them, but because they have no like specific task at hand, it, it, it's very easy for you to distract yourself and, and think about all the possibilities that can be in the future. And that's, I think, what brings more, most, the most anxiety to people is just wondering about the random events that could happen in life, which are, there's millions of them. And so there's million different ways for you to, to be anxious about them. On, but on the other hand, if you focus on the, the present task, there's like, it's a much more concre concrete thing. And that's, uh, ironically, where you you'll discover what you want to do with the future, in my experience. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great quote. And um, I don't know, I kind of skipped over that. But but yeah, it's because it's so true that a lot of problems, and I see in my own life, a lot of times come from delaying shit that you could do right now. You know? That would make, like you said, like, would make tomorrow much easier. And sometimes when when you do them, it's, it's things that don't even take that long. Sometimes like things that take 10 minutes. But just because they're so either boring or painful, we're kind of like, hey, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Or I don't really feel like doing this right now. And also, um, going to the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, usually these tasks are the ones that are very important, but are not really urgent right now so we kind of keep pushing them away pushing them away even though they would have a great return if we did them like probably exponential returns if we just did them we keep delaying it we never plan for them and then you know eventually i'm not gonna say it's too late but but you get to the point where you have to deal with the consequences of not doing it for so long you know a lot of this can be you know just in more practical terms like somebody doesn't give a shit about his diet you know, you can be like, ah, I'll start tomorrow and then ah, tomorrow. And then you reach a point where it's like, oh, I had a heart attack. You know, just to be super dramatic about this. You know, you had all the time. You kind of knew, but you didn't do it. So, yeah, totally agree with that. Okay, I think I can. I don't know if you have anything else on that one, but I have I have one now that I jump to letter number five. Um, I, it's, I have two. I think it's, yeah, two quotes from this one, but I'll start with the first. Which is, let our let our aim be a way of life not diametrically opposed to, but better than a, that of the mob. Otherwise, we shall repel and alienate the very people whose reform we desire. I feel like this is super true, um, especially like people who get into self development, like applying it to nowadays. 
Like people get into self-development and all of a sudden they feel like they're much better than everyone else. And then it's like, instead of trying to, you know, get them into it, but by a way they understand, they're just like, no, I'm over well, much better now. And, and then you also assume this posture of, oh, I know everything. The person doesn't know anything. Yeah. And, and for this guy to say this, because <laughs> when you read these letters, he very easily to say like, no, he's much smarter than most of the population, especially at this time when most people didn't know how to write or read or, or anything, you know, do basic math. So yeah, it's, and it's crazy how, you know, when we, I feel like when we get into self-development and, you know, trying to improve ourselves, a lot of it after, you know, the first kind of, the first bit, you also want to help others. And, you know, you, you like that others also get into it, but it's very rarely do we do it from a point of first trying to understand the other person and trying to, it's like, we, like he says, it's, we're not opposed to anyone or we shouldn't be like that. We should just assume like, oh, we found something that person didn't find out about yet. Because, you know, it's like, I, I imagine for myself, what would happen if I didn't find the first Tony Robbins book or whatever it was, you know? Maybe I still wouldn't have gotten into any of this and I would be the person that maybe I'll talk to and hasn't found any of this, but just needs the first book or the first motivation to get into it. So... Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of this book is just be, being less egotistical, just being more understandable. I would say a lot of his advice is just just of that, just dealing with life in a way that you don't put your ego into it. Yeah, yeah, and I think in in this specific scenario, it's really just being empathetic with other people. I feel that's such a mistake we make when, like you said, I also had that when I first started into all the whole self help thing. I just want to like to force people to jump on board with me and do all the the healthy things and whatever it may be. But I was just like trying to shame them and kind of blame them for not doing it. And it was like, it's like you said, that that can only come from someone who thinks that they're superior. Because if you're like blaming someone or like making them feel guilty about in this specific case, not trying to improve their lives, it's like, it's like you're saying, okay, I did, I did this, so why can't you? And, and it's kind of like, it's not like that. It's, first of all, it's a process that's always ongoing. And then you have to understand it's like, it's, it's empathy that you need to have for, for other people. Like people, you don't know what, what they're going through. You don't even know, like, like, you, like you said, you don't know if like if you or, or me, maybe I, I wouldn't have been on this path if I just missed that book. That's, maybe that day I would have just skip, skipped over that book and you could, I could still be in the same place I was three years ago. And but it's we don't think like that. We all we always want to think that we're like kind of special, and we would have done it anyway. But we just don't know. And I feel that's a much healthier approach to have to to, to other people. If you really want to improve the world you live in and the people around you, it's it first of all understand people. Try to understand them because people don't want to change if they don't feel listened to. Like when when someone comes to you and they complain about their life, they're not like. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that they need to drink water and eat veggies. No, they just want to be heard, and then kind of like for you to empathize with them, and that's the best you can do, man. Like most times, that's just it, and then just lead by example. Show other people what can be done, and that's it. Yeah, and the thing about that, um, he talks also about a lot about this in the book, uh, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He, the other author, you know, <laughs> not the same one, but um. And the problem here, or the, the hard part, is that to to be able to influence others, 
a lot of times you have to be willing to be influenced as well. And not a lot of us, because, you know, you have to listen first. And for you to really listen, you need to be open to to change, to maybe that what you're what you want to say is not the correct thing. And for, you know, for all of us, I think, me including that, that's very hard because <laughs> we have our ideas. We were like, no, this is the right idea. I studied a lot. This is it. And it's very hard to change or to even be to to even be open to the possibility that you might be wrong in something that you've studied a lot. So that's why, you know, I feel like reading these letters that Seneca would be a guy that could totally do that, you know? When he would talk to you, I have a feeling you would just listen. You wouldn't be judging. You'd be like, oh, maybe he has something I don't know. Like also how Jordan Peterson talks about. Because if we're not willing to, you know, to be wrong, then we're also not willing to listen to anyone. And I, I feel like there's a lot of that, um, like you see, or at least like how I perceive it is that when someone is like, oh, I, I don't get influenced by anyone. You hear, you hear that like as a good character trait, like, oh yeah, he's very sure of himself and everything. But I would say that's not necessarily a good thing because a person who's who's never influenced or and even defines himself like that, then you you have like tons of blind spots because you never know. And that's also a lie. That's also a lie because everyone is influenced by something. Even for that person that claims that they aren't influenced by anything, that their own opinions that they have, it's all influenced like from time they were the baby. So it's just like it's very arrogant of us to assume that we can like not be in. We're constantly being influenced by everything. Our environment. If it's if it's sunny, if it's rainy, that changes your mood. There's nothing you can do about it. It just just happens. Then you you the thing you have control over is how you react to it. But it's like. Uh, uh, but it's like, no, it's not even that. Like, because you always have the reaction, but it's the way you perceive that reaction that you have control over. And so you can't just like when those people like say that that they they aren't influenced. And first of all, I, that what comes to my mind is like it's a lie because we are all influenced constantly. And then, like you said, like if you have that attitude, we just have lots of blind spots because we're just we just miss we, we like if you're talking to someone and you're already already starting from the the perspective or the point of view that they can't offer you anything, then that conversation won't offer you anything. You already shut down the possibility. And people are quick to pick up on, on other people that don't really want to listen. We all, I think we all kind of intuitively know when someone's listening and when someone's just waiting to talk. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, you, yeah. Can see it in the just, you can see it in the person's Yeah, you see it yeah. when they're like, you said like as soon as you stop talking, they're just like, yeah, okay, but yeah, just the, the word but and then <laughs> yeah, you sure. discard whatever you said and just continue. Yeah. And that's super. But it's, that's, it's so normal, yeah. I think. It, people are used to it. Sorry to interrupt, but it's, interrupt, it's normal, but it's so sad that it's normal. And I noticed that, you know, ever since reading the book, um, The Seven, you know, I keep coming back to this book because it's the only book I read right now. But yes, ever since reading The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and now reading this and reinforcing it is. God, it, it's it's so frustrating to not be listened to, and to and even people, it's like why uh, I kind of know why, but we are so attached to what we have to say. But if we if we are able in a conversation to sometimes, and I try to do this, if like somebody cuts me off and I have something to say, sometimes I try to be like, oh, I'll just forget about it. I'll just talk about something else, because otherwise you're not even listening <laughs> to the other one saying. You're just thinking about a way where you can kind of switch it back to what you wanted to say. And then you can keep going. In a lot of conversations, it's just that. It's just like five people always trying to go back to what they wanted to talk about instead of just flowing with it. And yeah, it's, it's, 
on the one side, it's frustrating for the person talking because they feel like they're not being listened to. But the good side is that if you're able to do that, you're in a very slim percentage of people who can actually listen. And really without attachment to what you have to say or what you need out of the conversation. Yeah, and you know what like people call those persons that listen well? It's like, oh, he's a really good talker. Like Because like when yeah, you talk, yeah. you actually have something important to say and people are willing to listen to you because you have shown that you are listening to them. I think that's... And then they call you... It's, it's a funny, kind of ironical thing, but I think that's how it works. So I think... Do you have anything else on that letter? Uh, I do. I do have another quote, which is... It's very different from this, but is A number of our blessings do us harm. For memory brings back the agony of fear, while foresight brings it on prematurely. No one confines his unhappiness to the present. And for me, this is like <laughs> why you should live in a moment in like two, two quotes, you know? It's, it's just so well written. It's, I don't, like, and I imagine, you know, uh, I'm not going to extend myself too much on this because we've talked a lot about this and it's, I feel like a lot of people are familiar with, you know, just being in the present. But the way he puts it, it's like, it's so, it's like, it's so concise and so precise. It's incredible. I can't, I, I just imagine the amount of time and how much he had to write down before he could come up to just these two sentences. It's probably like crazy. It's like when uh, Socrates says, I think it's Socrates, right? That's, uh, uh, I only know that I know nothing. Yeah, something like that. It's kind of like the amount of writing you had to do to come up with that, you know? Yeah, it's a lifetime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's something that happens in a second, but it's, it takes a lifetime yeah. for that. And probably like, I, I even like, can imagine like all imagine. all that he had written before, it's like boom, 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 boom. And then he, like, that's the last sentence and it summarizes perfectly all the, <laughs> the 10 paragraphs he wrote before. But yeah. But yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Um, that's also the quote I underlined. So yeah, it's just, also found it really very beautiful the way the way you put it, and I think we've already talked, kind of discussed it, so we can move on. Yep. So. Um, All right. So for me, it's the next quote I have is from letter eight, and it's this is a really simple one. I think it's also like very necessary in the the current time we live in, and it's what chance has made yours is not really yours, and I think this is, just goes back to what we we I think we repeat ourselves a lot, but it's the importance of focusing on the process and not on the end goal because and I think this quote what it really highlights is that we are not after the end goal because when you actually like let's say the if you win the lottery some like something you'll feel happy for for a while but I'd argue and I think it's true that statistically the mo mo the people that win the lottery like a year after or sometime after it they go, they go back to where they were and they feel even more like depressed than they felt before and that just goes to show that we don't really care about the end goal. Like we may, th I think we may think we care and we need it. We need to think that we care about it. But at the end of the day, we are living in the process. And if it's the same thing. Like I'm going to the gym. I want to get stronger on, on my lifts and all that. If someone, if I one day just woke up and I was the rock and I was lifting 500 pounds on the bench press, it's like, yeah, it would have feel good for like a day. But then I'd be like, nah, damn. But I missed the old journey to do that. And that's the thing that we really like. It's it's. The, the the process it's the entire thing we can't just in like sometimes i remember when i was a kid i'd be like oh man why am i not like that athletic kid that's really fast or why why can i play soccer like why am i not why am i not the best soccer player in my school that's like what i wanted to be as a kid but then i realized at that time it's kind of like no one has practiced yet so it's like it's all natural and at the time you you wanted to be like 
naturally the best because you had no idea of the the value of the process. But now, like, if someone were, were to tell me, it's like, can you, if like, someone were to offer me like the chance of becoming the the world's best powerlifter, like, and just from night, just from night and day, I wouldn't take it because it's, it's. I know that's not what's, what we're after as humans. We're all after the process. I think just this quote, this quote, just like simply describes it perfectly yeah can you just repeat the yeah. quote because i want to talk about it but it yeah the quote is what chance has made yours is not really yours yeah and yeah like i'm yeah. just gonna pick yeah. up what you're saying it is so true because especially things we really want the goal usually are things we, we really enjoy so for you you really enjoy lifting heavy metal off the floor <laughs> but yeah and so naturally you want to be like oh i want to be very good but then it's yeah it's like that it's it's very easy to forget that the thing that you enjoy doing is is not like the when you attain the goal it's the doing itself you also i think it's in this book like he talks about um how a painter like a guy who paints the whole happiness of him is not when he looks at the complete canvas it's when he's actually putting the paint on it which is very hard to describe what that actually is and how that could that bring any happiness but that is it for most things if not everything that is it. it's just it's just that we always think i don't know if everyone thinks like this but i do feel like a lot of people including myself think like this which is oh once i get the gold then yeah then i'm good then i'm happy and i was thinking like today i was taking kind of a nap and i was thinking like there's some things i have right now that i remember three years ago wishing and i think like if i had those things i would be so happy i wouldn't want anything else and I have them and I'm like, oh, I kind of want the next the next natural step of that skill or whatever. And then you're like, but then it's it's also very, it's very freeing, but also kind of very, I don't know, it's like a feeling of hopelessness sometimes because it's, <laughs> you just think to yourself like, God damn, then, then, then what is it? And probably the best conclusion that I've come up to with the help of all these writings, it's, it's just to get, let go of all that and not give to give as less of a fuck as you can about the like the outcome itself because then because and then it's kind of paradoxical because when you do that you become i do feel like you become much better even in practice because you start to enjoy things more and then you you that actually allows you to become better at the thing and and achieve the goal you wanted but then the counter thing is that you don't want the goal as much as you wanted before so it it's not that much of um an accomplishment in, in your mind you know like for example, for you, you really wanted to bench 500 pounds, let's say, and you know, and like you were trying super hard and you couldn't do it, and then you just you're like, oh fuck it, I'll just keep improving for the sake of it, and then you eventually get to it. It wouldn't be as let's say as much of a dopamine spike as if you were to have the mind stuff like, oh, I really want it, and then you get it. But then it's like there's both sides to it that then when you get it, and if you really want it then there's a, a big like void that comes after that. It's like, oh, well, now what? So, you know, I feel like that's a big balance that, that all of us have to do in life is just how do you balance the dopamine spikes with the normal everyday punching the bag, you know? Punching the bag, you know? Yeah, I, and that's, that's man, it's just so true. We, we forget about it all the time. And I, I constantly have to remind myself that when I'm feeling like, when I have that feeling of like, oh man, what's missing in here? And I have to remind, there's nothing missing. Nothing. Yeah. There's nothing you can have that will possibly yeah. fulfill you. It's, there's nothing. This, this is it. This is life. And there's, it's just up to you 
to make the moment worth it. And then I like I remember that I'm like, yeah, man, that's true. Why why do I keep forgetting this? And it's it's hard because it's human. Then I think it's also how we evolve. Like we always want something else, but we I I recognize that. But recognizing that, you also have to recognize that you'll go crazy if you're always searching for that. You need to enjoy the actual moment. It's like you said, once you start enjoying the present and you're not anxious about that one thing that will fulfill your life, which is not true, you actually get better and you start having a better life. It's because, like I said, you start you enjoy the things you're doing, so you're better at them. It's because you enjoy doing them. But it's it's just a struggle to always remind ourselves yeah. of that. And also, yeah. and also it, it, it is a struggle, of course. But also I was thinking that that's kind of what makes life worth it, you know. it's If you can, in those moments of challenge, realize that your life is so much more exciting f- that because you have a challenge to actually tackle. And we, we can all think of two moments of our lives where we didn't really have a challenge we cared about. So like, ah, I'm kind of just, nah, not doing anything. But then when you, you find a challenge or the challenge finds you, maybe how you want to see it, that engages you every day and it pushes you forward to, you know, to be better than you were the previous day. Man, sometimes it's just good to take a second and be grateful that you have something like that. Because there are so many people who don't have anything like that and their their lives are horrible because they go to their work, they come home, they eat some fucking pizza and watch Netflix until they fall asleep and they do this every day. And they're... Yeah. And I remember not having yeah. that. And now having it is just... Yeah. It's night and day Absolutely. Um, with that being said, before we move forward, I just want to go back to letter number six. There was a good uh, thing I also got from it, which is <clears throat> quoting. There is no enjoying the possession of anything valuable unless one has someone to share it with. And this is just a good, like, um, for me, reminder that sometimes we like, we're we so focused on ourselves and so like, oh, I want this money and I want this, uh, like, lifting 500 pounds and whatever, that we forget that... If a lot of these things, if we cannot share, even if it's the happiness of getting it with other people, it's not going to be worth it, you know? If you, if I get, uh, I make, sell my company for $1 million, or you lift, I don't know, like 800 deadlift or something like that, but then you you have no one to go and share that with, it's like, oh, it's kind of, yeah. Because, and that's um, also one thing he talks a lot about in the book as well, which is, um. I, I feel like when we get into like self-development stories and all like this, it's very easy to get into that mindset of like, oh, I'm going to isolate myself. No, I'm just going to, I don't need people. But at our core, as human beings, as animals, we are made to be with each other. That's it. We are we are happier together than alone. There's no no going around it. It's Our DNA tells us to be part of a tribe. That's kind of what it is. So I feel like a lot of this, you know, it's good to sometimes go into isolation and just to have periods like that. But in the long term, I really do believe as well that if you have a, a quote-unquote tribe, like people who not only are similar to you but push you forward, then your life just, you know, the, your happiness 10Xs. It's incredible. Yeah. And also, it, I think the advice we are kind of listening to today from the self-help thing, like you, you were mentioning, it's like, for you to take some time off of people and just be alone with your thoughts and whatever. And I, I don't I don't I really don't think that's the right advice to give to people. I, I think there's a lot of value in meditation and being alone with knowing how to deal with your thoughts and your feelings and journaling and all those things you need to do alone. But there's extreme value, like you're saying, where we're social animals in having good relationships. I think the key difference here is the 
the, the quality of the relationships and what you are doing, spend your time with other people. I think most people don't have quality relationships or quality friends. I think they have like meaningless relationships that only happen because kind of convenience or something like that. And that's the difference when, that's why I think the message of being alone has been pushed so much. It's because I think that no one has like, or I think it's rare for people to have really good friendships that improve the, like improve them, them mutually. But what I think the truth is, in this day and age, everyone's kind of not everyone, but most people are very lonely. Like just because of social media and how the how it makes us perceive social contact and all those things. There, I, I don't think I, I've seen this statistic recently that, like I think we've never felt lonelier as yeah. a, as a as a, a whole of humans in ever in human society, and we are more connected than ever ever ever. So it's. I think I don't really don't think the advice to give to people is just be more lonely. I think it's it's the opposite, but it's what you it's what you're saying. It's the importance and it's the quality of the relationships. It's finding a tribe that improves you and makes you a better human and is kind of aligned with your values. And so I think it's really good that you touch on this growth because it's such an important thing. I think the message that being that's being spread. I don't really agree with the whole isolate yeah, yourself. Yeah, I mean, me neither. It's because it's it goes against our nature. And I don't know, I'm kind of paraphrasing someone, but everything that goes against our nature, most of the time is not that good for us, you know? It's more of like things that enhance, or how can you use that nature for your own good? It's like this, just finding a better circle is not, you know, removing... When you hear the thing like remove toxic friends, it should be remove toxic friends and then replace them with new better ones. It's not just like you by yourself. Because, you know, it's... It's just not gonna work. It's, it's we're not, not made for that. But yeah, moving forward, yeah. Moving um, forward. go ahead. You can go on to your quote. Okay, so this is actually I think it's still from chapter eight, but it, I just I just want to like skim through this because I've already already talked about it. I just think it's a really good quote, and it goes: "Happy is the man who can make others better, better not merely when he is in their company, but even when he is in their thoughts." And I think this is a this is kind of like a, a old thing in self-help, I think I first read it in Tony Robbins, which is like deciding that like finding yourself a, a kind of a, an ideal person or an ideal mentor that you would like, you'd refer to in difficult times, like you could ask yourself, what would I do if I were this, or if, what, if this person was watching me, what would I do, or something like that, and I think it goes back to what we were saying when you're trying to change people, I I, and also like I, I, I want to be very careful with the way I put it, because it's also very important how you your intention into going into that, but it, this I think this quote perfectly describes what you you should be doing if you want to improve the world and people around you. It's just it's just trying to be an example not only when you're in their company and you're like trying to drop all of these advices and whatever into them. It's just like when you're not there, like it's it's you to be it's for you to be that person that like they would say, oh man, if if this guy were here. Or, or like, or even better, like this guy could do it. So also, I, I can also do it because so it's for you to serve as a like a an inspiration for someone. Like that's, I think that's the true meaning of purpose for humans. Yeah, absolutely. Especially uh, for me, a big thing is also like if you define your your core, like your core morals, moral code kind of thing, then it's it's very not very easy, but it's easier to become that person. Because if you define like, oh, I want to be someone who always tells the truth, somebody who, you know, lives up to his word, et cetera, et cetera. And then you're very aware of that. 
then I noticed for me ever since, you know, going back one more time to the seven habits, um, ever since reading that book and defining that, there are moments where I'm going to do something and then it pops into my mind like, oh, wait, but you're not living. That wouldn't be according to, you know, what you wrote down. So then it's like, I feel like, oh, fuck. Okay, whatever. I won't do it then. Or I'll do this thing. But yeah, and by doing those things, I feel like that's the best way that we all can become that person. You know, the person who who can live in, you know, even in thought and, you know, people having a positive outlook on him. Because something, this is something I notice as well, sometimes with not the friends I have now here where I live, but before there, there's a lot of, you know, things are done just either for attention or for, because you kind of feel bad about yourself and or you're insecure or something. And now I look at that kind of behavior and I'm like, that's so dumb. And it's, <laughs> what are we doing here? And it's, and the, the bad part is like that if you hang out a, around that energy a lot and everyone is like that, you'll inevitably will be influenced by that because it's, it's go back to like, you want to be part of a tribe. That's the tribe you're going to adapt a bit. So yeah, for me, it's just defining whatever you want to be and then finding people like you or like that and hanging more with them, period. But um, moving to my quote, the one that I said before um, from letter 12, which is fruit tastes most delicious just when its season is ending. The charms of youth are at their greatest at the time of its passing. And this for me, just kind of like, it goes more into depth about what he means by this, but it's really impactful because it's like um, to know that when you're at the peak of probably happiness or whatever, the <laughs> the it's about to end pretty much. That's it. And you need to be okay with that. Like when an athlete is at its peak, it means that it's about to come down. That's it. When w Exactly. And But the thing is that it then goes into more detail is that to not resent that or to be afraid of that, but just to enjoy that. To, you know, to try to recognize when that peak happens and just live it. And then live as well the, the coming down and if you hit the bottom, that as well. It's a very, like, egoless quote-unquote, approach to life in general. And I found it just, the way he put it, it's just so fucking beautiful. I don't know, like, how this man... It's, it's That's, for me, the book, is that concepts that I kind of knew of before, but they're put in just such a, an, I don't know, like, elegant, beautiful way. It's just, you read it, and it's like, fuck, that is it, you know? Yeah, and yeah, and everyone gets it, because he, he, does, he uses, like, really simple metaphors to, like, he talked about the fruit... When it's it's most ripest, it's when it's better. But then, just after being ripe, it's when it gets rotten, and, and that's just life. I think that's kind of how it works with everything that you you look back into the moments, like you were saying, when you feel the most happiness. Right next to it is like you when you experience maybe not even the crashes, but just just because of the fact of going from really high happiness to just normal baseline again. That that can take a toll on on people, and especially. I think we see this a lot in athletes who kind of always focus their entire lives in winning a gold medal or this very specific goal and then they achieve it. They feel good for a week maybe and then just kind of left in the void because they've never thought about what would happen after yeah. winning that goal or not even that but maybe they weren't even focusing on the process like they, they should have been, like really enjoying, like I think we just kind of sound like a broken record but it's just really like learning how to, how to appreciate the present moment in all stages of life and just trying to constantly do that especially if you're 
trying to achieve a really important goal, it, I think I'd argue it's even more important than to focus on the process and, and make sure that you're not aiding what you're doing just to achieve something. That's also where like morals can go out the window. When you focus so much on achieving a goal that you throw everything out of the window just to, to get that goal. That's like that's the that, that's actually where dangerous For things sure. can happen. That's where you lose your values. That that's when people get hurt. That's like when you look back at the worst things in, that happened in, in in human history, like the the worst ideologies that led to it. They were all really focused on the end goal of let's say like creating a perfect society and a utopia. And when you have that in mind, anything like anything is is justified to get there because that's the that's the perfect thing. And so. Taking that back to our daily lives, it's it's just once again recognizing how important it is to, to each day. First of all, like be grateful for to be grateful for something, and then just to yeah, man, just enjoying yeah, the Yeah, and I really like the the thing you said about when you focus too much on the goal, it's very easy to you know kind of neglect everything else for or in the in the pursuit of that because. Yeah, like a guy, I don't know, like if you focus only, oh, I want to get, I want to be rich. It's very easy to be like, one day like, eh, that's, eh maybe I'm not going to pay the taxes I should here. Eh, maybe I'm going to cut a little corner here. And then I heard it, it's like a good metaphor that I heard one time was, imagine, um, I don't know, like a, a rocket going to space, you know? Maybe if it has some holes in the, the rocket, at first you won't really notice because it's still in Earth's atmosphere, it's kind of okay. But as you start going up, up like more up and up, those little flaws, those corners you cut are going to be much more noticeable and much more dangerous to yourself. Now, I don't know if this is accurate like in terms of physics or anything, but I feel like that applies that. Um, and, or this example, for example, if you're uh, in a field, empty field, riding a tractor, if you shift your wheel like five degrees to the left, at first you won't really notice anything. But after... I don't know, 300 kilometers, there's a big difference from where you're going to be and where you would have been if you never changed the wheel. So that's how I see it, is that short term, you're, no one will really notice. Long term, it's going to either make or break whatever you're doing, you know? But yeah, um, so I guess we can go on to the next quote. So I guess I can... Oh, no, it's it's your turn. Is it your turn? Uh, yeah, you said this one, right? Yeah, yeah, it's you. Okay, yeah, so this is a, I'll skip a bit. Oh, wait, and we're, we're getting kind of to our time, like normal time, so fuck, there's still so much. <laughs> um, okay, let's do kind of like, we can do this quote and then we'll plan how we do the next part. Maybe this will be like a 10-part series <laughs> on a book. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sure, I'll go for it. So this is, I don't know, it's kind of, uh, whatever. So this quote is about like death, which is very a topic like Seneca talks a lot about. And in this, just to give a bit of context in this list, he's talking about the different types of people and how they react to, to death and the, the different types of reacting. And in this one, this one really touched it because he's just talking about, I think it's the most common uh, person that you see in every life. And I'll just read the quote to see how you, uh, for you to hear how he describes them. So this is like him talking like he was a, this kind of person. So it, it goes, how long must I endure the same things? Shall I continue to wake and sleep, be hungry and be clothed? shiver and perspire, there is an end to nothing. All things are connected in a sort of circle. They flee and they are pursued. Night is close at the heels of day, day at the heels of night. Summer ends in autumn, winter rushes after autumn, and winter softens into spring. 
all nature in this way passes, only to return. I do nothing new, I see nothing new. Sooner or later, one seconds at this also. And this is like really, it's a long one, but it really touched me because that's really how most people go through life. They just go through the motions. They're always like, there's specific like times where they, maybe they do a vacation and they feel good. But most of life, it's just like, on, like repeating the same thing kind of never taking the time to really enjoy the present moment, just always wanting something else and never being satisfied when it comes. Just like, like you said, you can go your whole life through it and things just, like, you do nothing new, you don't really see anything new and you, like, it's like, it's eventually, sooner or later, like, people can't do this forever or, and like, maybe when they only realize that, when they're like in the, their deathbed, they're like, oh man. I really shouldn't have, have wasted it all. And that's for me, that's the scariest thing. For you to get to that point in, in life, or like close to the, to the doors of death and be like, fuck, I, I should have done better. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's, this is the perfect one to end because it's also such a scary thing to bear in mind. And another thing that he also talks about is that we think like that, oh yeah, but that's going to be when I'm 80, if it happens. The thing is, it could happen any moment, you know? Like, you... Like even let's you could have a heart attack right now for no reason. You could leave home, get run over by a car. It can literally happen at any moment. And to to keep this in mind is to you know maybe it doesn't mean that you need to rush into like oh I'm gonna travel to Asia or something. It doesn't need that to be like that. But I also feel like a lot of the decisions that we regret not doing or doing is shit that it's. Just like every day, it's like, oh, I should have gone more to the gym or I should have practiced more on that thing every day because that's where where it's very easy to fail, you know? To do a trip one time to, to Asia or to whatever, it is important, but I don't feel like that's where the biggest regrets come from because the, the inability to do that comes from habits that you didn't fix, I do believe, you know? Because if like you had good habits, then that would be just easy to do, you know? You can say like, oh, I didn't, but I didn't have any money. Well, if you focused on the habits that are not making you any money and building habits that make you money, then you would have money to go to Asia and then you'd be more proactive and et cetera, et cetera. So although the, the end consequence that, you know, happens of not having those habits are these like big things we, didn't, we don't do, I feel like at the core are like very small habits that if done consistently will, you know, bring you those things. Yeah, and just and what do you see like when you people like the the depict that moment in movies? What do people say? Like they usually go for like the I should spend more time with my kids. Yeah. Once again, that's just an habit you develop. It's an habit, yeah. Spending every every day with your kids, that's an habit. That's the the most like that's as habit as an habit of a thing that it can get. And that's that's really funny because that one perfectly shows that that's the habit you miss. You miss the habit. You you regret the fact that. You didn't implement the habits. Yeah, and absolutely. that just goes to show how the importance of it. I think that's just all awesome. I have to say. And about I think that. we can end on that. That's perfect. You guys can now think about this. You know, don't cry, don't get depressed. There's epic words to come in the next one. But yeah, like uh, I definitely recommend anyone listening go buy the book because this is one dollar or two in Kindle, and you can get it for free online. This is public, like it's for everyone. There, there's no owner of the the text you can write like um oh, what was it called letters letters, letters from letters a stoic pdf and you'll find it you know maybe i can i don't know if i can link it because i don't know but you know you can you can find it yourself <laughs> but anyway this was google the searching for meaning podcast and we'll see you 
next week. Bye-bye.